There's a lot to say about the deliciousness of steaks, burgers, and kebabs, and the wonders of a summer cookout. But we figure, why go through all the trouble when beef can speak for itself? Just listen. Translation, beef. It's what's for dinner. Funded by Beef Farmers and Ranchers. Welcome to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield. We're live in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Startville. Farm Bureau, go with the home team at Farm Bureau. They have agents in every county in the state of Mississippi. Tremendous customer service. Check them out at favorites.com. Go with the home team at Farm Bureau. And Charlie, football season almost at the midway point. We're in our bye week right now. Hey, speaking of Farm Bureau, our good friends, Henry Hamill and those guys down there, see them at a lot of tailgates. And every time they get ready to tailgate, we're talking about country pleasing a little bit. Those guys, you've got to have two parts to the tailgate. One is you got to have great food. The other is you have to have guys that can cook good food. And every time I go by Henry Hamill, I see Paul Jackson out there, those guys are cooking. Every time it's absolutely stunning what they put together. And I know your dad has been a long-time RV guy as well. Those guys are some big-time chefs out there. Yeah, they don't mess around. That's not a casual deal. Sometimes you get the impression that the cooking may be kind of the most important part of the weekend for some of those guys. No, no doubt. They're probably already getting ready for the Alabama game in a couple weeks. And, of course, that Alabama game will be a 6 o'clock game next Saturday. So Charlie and I will do the show this week. And, once again, we'd like to thank our fine friends over at WFCA. Chuck Bentley, Jason Crowder, and all the gang over there for allowing us to be on each and every week on 107.9 WFCA. You can listen live on Wednesday nights between 6 and 7 on WFCA.FM. So, Charlie, looking back at this past weekend, we got together on Sunday coffee and kind of broke down the win for Mississippi State over Texas A&M. And the more I look back at it, the more I begin to see where this team, I think, is getting better. I think they're taking the steps that we've talked about week in and week out about going down the field a little bit more. I think you're seeing the offense kind of open up just a little bit. I think that's right, but I'm going to go back to an argument that I've made all along too. I think this offense depends on receivers making plays. I think it depends on getting to the guys in one-on-one situations and then breaking some tackles. And it's so easy to come back and look at a stat sheet and say, that was a 25-yard completion. But that doesn't tell you the whole story because the question is how much of that gain was through the air versus how much of it was after the catch. I thought we did a good job exactly of what you said, throwing it down the field more. And I also thought our receivers did a better job of finding lanes to run in after making the catch. Some of that's on them, just good individual effort. Some of it's on the quarterback getting it out a little bit quicker and on time and in a position where they can then make a play. They're not having to make adjustments that take them off their route or cause them to forfeit their momentum. So I thought both throwing it down the field and having big plays after the catch were an improvement. No doubt. And they're getting open quicker. And so what does that lead to? You don't have as many pressures. And when I look at Will Rogers this year and you start looking at pro football focus and some of these numbers they have, he's, on, he's been under pressure 49 times this year. 
He's attempted 33 passes. He worked 10 sacks in there, six scrambles. But anyway, he's only 14 of 33 under pressure. And in those situations, you have five drops. So sometimes as a receiver, you're getting the ball maybe not exactly when you're looking for it, maybe getting it a little bit earlier when a a guy's under pressure. But that's been really the only situation where Will has – struggled a little bit because he's had guys in his face. So let me ask you this question. You know, we get together so many times on the pregame show and we say, it seems like every week we've had a chance to say, there's a young quarterback on the other side. He doesn't have a lot of experience. Boy, I bet Zach Arnett's going to dial some stuff up this week. Boy, I bet Zach Arnett's going to have the blitz going. The thing that I think gets missed is everybody has this idea, rush three, drop eight, to the point that you're tired of hearing the phrase. At what point does somebody, and is it Nick Saban, by the way, here in a week and a half, who says, forget dropping eight. I'm bringing eight and dropping three. Well, that would be a difference than what we've seen. Because when when you see the 10 sacks on the year and you see the hurries, you begin to think, how does that pressure happen? It comes off the blitz. Teams have only blitzed us 30 times through five games, which is absolutely amazing. So you're saying it doesn't come off the blitz? The pressure is coming when teams are not blitzing. All 10 sacks this year, all 10 sacks are non-blitz situations. Teams do not have a sack this year in any of those 30 blitzes. All right, so let's break that down a little bit and say, number one, that's fewer blitzes than I would have expected. Only 9%. 91% of the times we throw the football, it's without a blitz, which tells you how much teams are sitting back. So it goes back to the point, if Nick Saban and then Alabama's defensive coordinator Pete Golding, if they elect to come after Will Rogers, then it will be doing something that no other team has done. Because right now, teams are sitting back. So then the question becomes, when you are blitzed, how good have you been? And Will Rogers is completing 66% of his passes right at eight yards of an attempt when he is blitzed. So here's what I think, Charlie. I think one of the things you have to look at is how our running backs are taught. Because if a team is going to rush three, our running backs are going to hit the eject button pretty quick and get outside. It appears to me like we're like we're giving no help whatsoever if a team is rushing three, and that's understandable. But if they walk a linebacker up, I think our running backs, I think Marks and Dylan Johnson, have done a pretty good job this year when a blitz does come of stepping it up, finding it, and picking up that blitz. I thought they did an outstanding job of that this past weekend. There were a number of times where you see a guy coming. Two things that I really liked that I saw when, when Texas A&M would bring pressure through the blitz. Number one, exactly what you said, your back stepping up and blocking it. And then two, throwing where the blitz came from. That's the old thing. How do you beat a blitz? Throw at it. So if you've got a cornerback coming from one side or a safety coming from one side, you know there's going to be a gap in the coverage over there. I thought we did a good job with that. I want to ask you this question though, Bart, you go back and you talk about the success against the blitz. Is it because it's just easier to see a blitz, know it's coming, and know I got to get rid of it in a hurry? than it is to anticipate my right tackle just got beat or my right guard just got beat? Is Will just doing a better job of seeing that than he is of detecting pass protection breaking down? I think it's just kind of the new age of offense. You know, we don't blitz as much as people think. Now, when we we show blitz, we coming. It's not a situation where we're bringing four. We're going to bring five or six. And so you gives that appearance. You don't see that that sellout blitz much anymore. And I think one of the reasons is, you know, when people used to blitz, you know, the Jolie Dunn 
when Joe Lee used to blitz a lot, you saw a lot of play action. You saw a lot of run game. People would run into the blitz. And it was almost like a take by surprise. In today's world where the quarterback's in a shotgun formation and can kind of see everything in front of him, and everybody's checking at the line of scrimmage, I think everybody with hot routes, you know, just kind of plays its way past the blitz. Yeah, I think there's a lot to that. And I think, look, what's the key to football? It's being new. And and some of us who grew up in the Joe Lee Dunn days think that's what you have to do to have a good defense. It's exciting, but it also can lead to some big plays. I think a lot of times we forget that just the way defenses adjust to offenses, offenses adjust too. And who was it uh, this past weekend? I guess it was Gene Chizik talking about there. there is nothing a defense can do that an offense can't adjust for. Well, the opposite's kind of true, too. I mean, so it's all about adjustments. I tell you, though, I, I feel like, and I haven't gone and broken down Alabama. I haven't dug into their numbers. We'll watch that game pretty closely this weekend. But it just feels like Nick Saban is going to do something different. Now, let's go back to the other thing about the blitz. If you don't have to, you don't need to. Right? No. If you've got a front wall that's good enough to whip the offensive line, why bring more people? <laughs> At that point, you can both get pressure because ultimately that's the object, right? Get pressure on the quarterback. And so if you're down defensive lineman can beat an offensive line and get pressure, probably no need to. So maybe Nick Saban comes into that game thinking, eh, I don't really have to do anything. I just think of everybody we've seen so far, he's the guy that's most creative. He's the guy that does the best job of disguising coverages. He's the best guy in the country of having a defense. You go out there, you think you're facing man. Next thing you know, it's his own. I think it will be the toughest challenge that Will Rogers has seen. And so many times, what does blitz allow And I know we're talking a lot about blitzing right now. But one of the things and one of the byproducts of not having tremendous amounts of pressure is interceptions. Will's only had two this year. You had, the one, you had the one against Louisiana Tech. You think about the number of times we put the ball in the air. You think of how many times a ball can be tipped at the line of scrimmage. How many tipped balls have we seen this year? Not many. We've seen a few. Not many. How many times you throw a ball down the field and a guy gets a hand on it, ricochets, and you get a pick? We ain't had that any at all. How many turnover plays is he throwing the ball down the field in a situation where he's throwing it into a triple team that we've seen in years past? You're not seeing that at all. He's had one pick down the field that was down the right sideline, and then he had the interception against Louisiana Tech. That's it. To me, when I look at the stats and you see the vast number of times you're throwing the football, and I know what somebody's going to say is, hey, we're throwing it so many times behind the line of scrimmage or within 10 yards down the field. Take them out. Still impressive. It's, it's unbelievable, especially now that we are going down the field more. What's interesting to me, Charlie, is you said before the year started, we started our Friday deep dig when we get into a lot of numbers and we're not going to stat you to death today. But one of the things you talked about was I want to, I want to see Will Rogers complete 41% of his balls that he attempts over 20 yards downfield. Right now, he's completing 55% of those throws. And so here's a guy that's going down the We're actually going down the field a little bit more right now with a lot more success, and I think that's where we were so good against Texas A&M the other night just to kind of loosen them up. All right, so when we come back, we'll talk to Neil Price and Matt Wyatt. We'll kind of get their thoughts of where we are after five games of the season. Everybody's got the bye week this week, so everybody can kind of exhale. We had a big win. We can be winners. Like you said on Sunday Coffee, Charlie, we can be winners for two weeks now. So we'll talk further with Neil Price and Matt Wyatt when we come back. And once again, we're in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Starkville. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us. 
here on Out of Left Field. And welcome back to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. Bart Gregory, Charlie Winfield. We're in the Farm Bureau studios in downtown Starville. And this week, we're going to talk to Matt Wyatt and Neil Price. And this segment brought to you by our friends at Tracks Plus. Tracks Plus, four locations now. You've got Hickory. That's the main one on I-20. You've got the location between Starville and Columbus on Highway 82. Then down in Summit, Mississippi. And then Alexandria, Louisiana. Tracks Plus, they have... The largest inventory of used forestry equipment. They're the biggest used forestry dealer in the Deep South. Of course, the new equipment with Barco, with the forestry equipment. You've got Saney equipment. If you're in the need of an excavator, Charlie, we were talking about all the time about how the, anybody can use an excavator. And, Charlie, even you can use an excavator and drive an excavator now. Even though it's very similar with a skid steer. And I know you did the skid steer. But an excavator, it's not a whole lot more difficult. Well, I'm going to take your word for that. I'm not sure they'll let me back on any equipment for a while. But, you know, got to check it off the box and didn't actually have to do any real work, which is one of my big things. The closest you came to running over anything was me. That's the thing that scared me more than any. Hey, just kind of like a brushback pitch. I was just sending a message. All right. So Tracks Plus, we'll check them out, tracksplus.com. Any equipment needs, go see our friends at tracks plus so this week we decided with the bye week to get the band together with neil price matt wyatt here on our out of left field show and guys we welcome you in we have all kind of electrical equipment to link us all together how are you fine sirs this evening peachy just right Oh, that's good. We've got Neil Price, Matt White here. All right, Charlie we're, Charlie and I are in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Starkville. And so, Neil, I guess we start with you. We, we kind of banter back and forth in all of our pregame shows, and I guess this is kind of how we're going to handle it tonight. Just round table it, and if you want to ask a question, answer a question, whatever you want to do, whatever is laid upon your heart, you can feel free to do that. Neil, you know, looking back at uh, this win at College Station last week, and kind of where this team has been this year. Big crowd, good atmosphere. Can you – I mean, I know everybody can see it, but what areas do you see that Mississippi State has had the biggest improvement in the first few weeks of the season? Well, I think the offensive line, I think you start there. Uh, you know, and that's a group that received a lot of criticism a year ago. And I would tell you that I thought, you know, coming into the year, if, if State was going to have a good year, they were going to be a big part of it. And, you know, you can go back and look at the last two games, LSU and Texas A&M, and I think it's hard to find a lot of fault with, with what those guys have done. You know I mean? Will's had time to throw the ball. Uh, to, to his credit, he's getting rid of it faster, too. He can open up some holes and, and help State have some success in the learning game. And I just think that if, if these guys are going to put together a big run in the second half of the season, it starts up there. And Mike Leach will tell you that he believes that that's the most important position on the team is offensive line. So I think if you're asking me first five games where have I seen the biggest jump, I, I would point to that unit right there and say that they are doing a lot of good things right now. What about you, Matt? Yeah, I mean, he's nailing it now. That offensive line has gotten better and better each week. But there's it's really – I, I think 
just to give you the most honest answer, you can point to almost every part of the football team and you could show improvements from week one to where it is now, maybe except in a couple of special teams areas. Um, I, I still think the biggest <clears throat> room for improvement is kind of overall special teams, consistency in the punting, and we've made a change there. You, you haven't had consistency at kicker because of the injury to Rees. The coverage units can do a lot better, uh, especially punt coverage. And then after a lot of explosive returns in, in kickoff stuff, teams aren't giving the opportunity to do it now. So that's the special teams has just got to be better overall. But, you know, you look at defense, you look offensively, offensive line, Will Rogers, the continuity between he and the receivers in the past game from game one to where we saw it the other day. There's just, it's coming together, man. And I tell you, when that offense starts coming together, the defense has such a hard time finding you know what the call should be what what matchup can we run because state has an answer for everything once they get it going guys i look back bart and i were talking this past weekend and we kind of hit upon this idea that you know a lot of times you need an open date because you need a week to heal up we kind of talked about the idea that this open date comes at a good time because it gives you an extra week to walk around and be a winner before you have to face alabama coming up but with a string of big games do you sense that this open date is coming at a good time for this team? Well, I'll jump in there first. I really do, you know, think it's a good time. Okay, and and I'm kind of going specific here, Charlie. If for nobody else other than Brandon Rees, <laughs> it comes at a, a a great time. I I don't know this, but I've just got my fingers crossed, hoping that um, that. An, an extra week here, you know, it's going to be two weeks before you play again, that maybe that two weeks will get him back on the field. So that's my hope, you know, in that. And, you know, the other thing is, I hate to even say this because you want to knock on some wood, but we've been really fortunate uh, because what you're doing from an injury standpoint is you're letting guys get their legs under them, getting really good and rested and kind of get ready for what's going to feel like the second half of the season starting with an Alabama game. So, yeah, I think it comes – I think it comes at a good time. Sure do. I agree. And I think that the other thing it does is it gives you, you know, two weeks or week and a half, depending on how much rest time they build into this, to reinforce positive habits. I mean, you can go back now and, and kind of take a, a really good long look at yourself as a team and say, okay, in, in the games that we won, here's what we did well. Um, to go into the environment that State went into at Texas A&M, here's what the team did well. The other thing I think they can do is look at some of those areas that, that Mike Leach points out where they can continue to improve and really try to fine-tune those. And then you'll see in, in a couple weeks' time exactly how much progress you've made because the, the team across the line of scrimmage is arguably going to be the toughest test that they're going to have the remainder of the season. So – I agree with that. Yeah, I think the off week comes at a good time. Uh, I think it's a great opportunity to build. And, you know, going into it with a win, boy, sure beats going into it the other way. And we've seen that happen here a few times. Talking to Neil Price and Matt White. Hey, Neil, it's kind of funny. When when you got, when you got here, you had Dan Mullen as a, the offense coordinator and head coach. And we ran the ball a lot. And you pretty much knew – the three guys that were going to be at wide receiver their entire game. And now all of a sudden, from a broadcast standpoint, 
we're throwing nine and ten guys out there. I mean, and we're going as fast as you can possibly go. How fun is it to broadcast when you're just ripping and roaring up and down the field? Well, it, you know, I think it's fun. Um, it keeps you engaged, that's for sure, uh, you know, because you, you've got to always be kind of keep your eyes on the field, see what's going on, and know that uh, they're not going to waste a lot of time between snaps. Uh, I have joked with Matt, some of these teams like LSU that, you know, came in here and played even faster than, than what State's playing, uh, I, I think it'd be great if they'd outlaw to hurry up and everybody go back to what we all love huddle up and walk up there and push each other around i'd be okay with that too but but i think it's good you know i mean and i just think there's something from a player's perspective too that if you play that way it, the hope is you can't overthink it you just go up there get the ball and and react rather than think and we saw some more of that i think against texas a&m and we saw it earlier in the game we had to wait till the fourth quarter when those guys were you know, down a couple scores to have to try to find a way to get back into it, they came out and started that way, and, and that's encouraging. And we're talking with Neil Price and Matt Wyatt, radio guys just kind of getting together here during the bye week. We'll come back and talk further with these two guys. And, of course, this segment brought to you by our friends at Tracks Plus. Tracks Plus, new equipment, Barco, and Saney equipment. Give Daniel Bounds a call in Columbus. Fred Fulton over in Columbus if you need anything the forestry world. Ken Crosby down in Hickory, down in Summit, Gresh Howell, and over in Alexandria, Louisiana. Give Hoop Weems a call. They'll get you squared away with anything you need in the equipment world. And this, once again, this segment brought to you by our friends at Tracks Plus. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Neil Price and Matt Wyatt right after this on Out of Left Field. Talking to Matt Wyatt and Neil Price here on Out of Left Field this week. And this segment brought to you by our friends at Country Pleasing Sauces. Country Pleasing is simply the best there is out there. There is no competition when it comes to Country Pleasing. It's made right here in the state of Mississippi. So many different varieties now, and they're all exceptional. Go by the butcher shop on Highway 49, Country Meat Packers in Florence, Mississippi. And I'll tell you what, everything they do is big time. Charlie, here's the thing about an open week. It gives us a chance to maybe take a drive down south and go see our friends at Country Meat Packers. Well, you've made that drive several times, and you never seem to come back with anything for me. You know, every time that you walk in here, you've got a country-pleasing shirt on. You've got a country-pleasing hat on. You're telling me about all these things that you and Henry Cooper are doing. And I always hear from Henry Cooper, man, I sent you some stuff just doesn't ever seem to make it in my door. It's just kind of curious. Well, I'm, I'm skimming off the top. That's what it is. Yeah, it's more than a skim. Yep. It's a suck the whole thing out. Well, we'll continue talking with Neil Price and Matt White. And once again, this segment brought to you by our friends at Country Pleasing. Matt, I was telling somebody the story the other day. My mother's idea of teaching me how to swim was to go to the pool, throw me in the deep end, and yell, swim, until I figured out how to swim to the side of the pool and get out of there. Seems a little bit like kind of uh, dealing with a quarterback in this offense, right? Particularly Will Rogers. He just kind of got thrown in the deep end and one of those figured out, get yourself out of this mess. You think all the time, we talk in pregame about somebody kind of playing it cautious with a young quarterback and bringing him along, but it, it seems like Will just basically got handed the playbook and has had to figure it out. And is my assessment there right? And then where do you see him in that progression right now? Yeah, Charlie, I, I think you're on to something and and let's be honest, too, 
without even knowing this, I pretty much guarantee you that Mike Leach has probably thrown a kid in the water at some point and said, swim. I mean, literally <laughs> in life. You know, I bet he has done that at some point. He just strikes me as that kind of guy that that's the best way to learn how to swim. <laughs> so why wouldn't that carry over to football? I think it's a great analogy because that's what happened with w- whether they wanted it to happen or not. And I guess if we're being honest, they certainly last year would have preferred for everything to go swimmingly for K.J. Costello, not only in week one, but weeks two and beyond. And, you know, you get ready to play Alabama, you think back to Alabama last year, that's the last time K.J. Costello played meaningful snaps was against Alabama before he took that shot to the head. And so you're in Tuscaloosa. Will is true freshman in with no spring, no summer. He missed the first two weeks because he was sick, and he's on the sideline over there. And K.J. gets a concussion against Alabama. And it's, here you go, Will, take off, go play football in Tuscaloosa. And... uh you know, you talk about getting thrown in there, and we know this. He handled himself really well to this point. Going back to last year, he's thrown a grand total of four interceptions in his career, and boy, do I appreciate that personally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, taking care of that football, and I'm—I think you know, you just—I I just really think at this point, when you look at his age, the lack of run-up and experience compared to where he is and what he's doing. I don't know that you could ask any more than where he is and what he's doing at this point. Sure, you'd love to go back and make a few more plays in some of those other games when they're out there. But, you know, Charlie, there is a reason that Mike Leach, as long as that guy's been coaching, has never played a quarterback as young as Will Rogers. He's the youngest guy he's ever put out there on the field. Okay, the situation dictates it, but look where he is now. And I saw some stuff the other night against A&M that you've seen – you know, examples of here and there, a check at the line of scrimmage, check to a run play on first or second down, uh, go to the line, check against man, read the zone coverage, read the rotation, but he's doing it better now and quicker. And I just think, shoot, man, he's – I could not be more proud of him and where he is and what he's doing at this point. Neil, one of the things about us is, you know, when we're broadcasting ball games, we don't get a chance to watch a lot of college football, but – just looking at the league here early on, it looks like you've got Alabama and Georgia at the top, and then you look at the bottom, and you've got Vanderbilt, South Carolina, and probably Missouri in there as well. Do you recall a time where you've got like nine teams that you could just put them in a hat, and you just don't know what's going to happen? I look at the rest of our schedule, and I see Vanderbilt. I see the, the non-conference game at the end of the year, Tennessee State. Not saying I'm not scared we're, we could lose those games, but – the other games could go either way. I can't recall a year where this many teams are this tight together. Yeah, 14 teams in the league and 12 of them, in theory, could wind up anywhere. You know, I think Alabama and Georgia sort of look like they've separated themselves. And then once you get to number three all the way down to 14, you know, in, in theory, it could go just about anyway. I mean, I understand Vanderbilt's got a little bit more of, of a gap from that 14th spot up maybe than, than some of the others do down in that lower third. But I think it sets up for a really exciting finish, you know, because you'd like to think that a win against Texas A&M gives state confidence. Um, you know, they got to stay healthy because clearly they don't have the, the amount of depth that they like to have at a lot of positions. But if they could stay healthy, yeah, I agree with you. You know, just based on how things look to this point, you know, this thing could could turn into a great year 
Uh, it could have a lot of exciting games, a lot of close games, competitive games. And, you you know, this is a team that could really feel like it's earned something by the end of the year, I think. So, yeah, I think that's great that, that the thing's kind of shaken out the way that it is. And, you know, it gives us a reason to be excited when we go to the stadium on Saturday. No question about that. Guys, I want to turn away from the team a minute and kind of talk about your experiences as broadcasters generally. I know that I always had kind of a favorite road trip as I looked forward I always love going to Athens, for example, not necessarily to play Georgia, but to just be in the town, great college town. I'm curious, as you guys kind of look at our schedule and where we have to go, what's the place you like going? So Auburn is selfish for me because, one, it's really close to home, and every time we go to Auburn, I get to stay at my mom's house, okay, and I get to eat her food and eat her cooking at breakfast before I drive over to Auburn on game day. So I always look to every other year – getting to go to Auburn. I love it over there. And it kind of, that whole area sort of just is home, you know? Um, and what I like about Jordan Hare, it's huge, but it's very collegiate. You know, it's this big stadium, but it's smack dab in the middle of a college campus right next to the baseball field. And, you know, it's just a favorite trip. So that's selfish, but Hey, look, I'm be honest. I look forward every other year getting to go to College Station to see Kyle Field because that place in just by itself is a spectacle. Each year that we go, I'll walk out there down the tunnel real quick and just take a peek from the field when there's not a soul in there just to see it. And I've told our fans, if you've never seen Kyle Field, uh, go out there because it's it's really something. Those are two for me. I'm curious to hear what Neil would say. Well, I mean, if you're asking about this year's schedule in particular, Nashville, because A, there's a good chance you're going to win the game. Uh, B, it's a great city. Um, you know, it's it's my home state, so anytime I get to go close to home, uh, even though I'm still about three and a half, four hours away there, uh, it's a lot of fun. I went to college just south of there, so, you know, it's, it's good to go back. I usually see a lot of people when we go in there for football or basketball games, so uh, Nashville would be up there. And then, yeah, I'm kind of with Matt. Uh, I like going to Auburn. Um, just because I've got friends there. Andy Burcham's a good friend, does the Auburn games now. Rod was a good friend. Uh, I always look forward to seeing those guys. Even back when I was doing baseball at Kentucky, you know, it was always one of my favorite weekends, regardless of whether we were playing them uh, at Auburn or in Lexington, to get to hang out with those guys. Now, I will say this. I like the stadium. I don't like where we broadcast the game from. Uh, you know, that's changed. That's beyond everybody's control, except a very elite few, you know. But uh, but it's usually a good trip. Uh, I'd be excited to go there and see State play well. That has not happened uh, since I've been here back in 17, and I hope they can change that this time around. Hey, we talked a minute ago about how we didn't get a chance to watch a lot of football, but sometimes on those road trips we get a chance to listen to a lot of college football. Neil, Matt, I'd be interested to hear. I mean, we get to listen to some college broadcasts, and it doesn't have to be the SEC. Who are some guys out there that you listen to that you sit there and say, hey, that guy's really good? Yeah, I've enjoyed turning some you know different ones on here over the years. I, I've had a few times where I was able to, you know, maybe I'm headed in for a 6 p.m. game, and I'll uh, flip on in my car and listen to an early game when Bob Kessling is doing a Tennessee game. I've enjoyed listening to him. You know, truthfully, growing up in Alabama, I listened to Eli Gold call games when I was a kid. And 
for me, my experience was a lot different than most of our fans. I, I Growing up in Alabama, I was a baseball kid and wanted to play baseball, and I was a Braves fan. I didn't really pay much attention to football until I began playing in the eighth grade. And growing up, we didn't go to Alabama games. We didn't go to Auburn games. We didn't tailgate, none of that. We either were crappie fishing or dove hunting every fall Saturday that the that Alabama and Auburn were playing. So we listened to all the games on the radio. That's what I kind of grew up listening to. So it was Jim Fife for Auburn and, of course, Eli Gold for Alabama. And Eli does a great job. And they're broadcasting Alabama. They do a heck of a job. You know, Chris Stewart's involved and uh, John Parker Wilson doing color now for them. So those are a couple for me that I really enjoy getting to hear. And they do those two broadcasts. You listen to Tennessee on the radio. You listen to Alabama on the radio. You get the game. And it's kind of what you, what I'm proud, you know, for our fans, what you get is when they listen to Neil Price do a state game or they listen to Kessling do a Tennessee game or Gold do an Alabama game, uh, they get the game. They understand the emotion. They get the details. It's accurate. If any of those guys say he's tackled at the 12 and he needs a yard for a first down, then that's exactly what they need. And uh, they do a, they do a, they all do a heck of a job. Well, you know, for me, you know, it always starts with with Bob Kessling at Tennessee. And, you know, I'm I'm a little bit biased because Bob got me started in the business, you know, so I'm always interested to to hear what he's got to say. And, you know, he's a guy who has done that at, at so many different levels you know whether it was on television for a long time before he got the job at Tennessee and now you know 22 years in there uh so if they're playing and state's not or we're on the road somewhere I'm usually listening uh to see what Bob's got to say um I enjoy listening to Mick Hubert at Florida um just because Mick is entertained wildly entertaining uh to listen to uh Tom Leach at Kentucky you know everybody everybody looks at Tom and, you know, I think they look at him kind of like they looked at Kay with Ledford, you know. Well, they're basketball guys. Tom's a wonderful football announcer, uh, you know, and, and he's he's had a product the last few years that uh, has kind of matched his ability, too. Uh, so I like listening to Tom. I don't know that I listen to a ton of guys outside the conference uh, doing college games um, just because, I, I guess, to me, SEC football is kind of what it is. You know, it's, it's such a big brand, and, and what I grew up around, I don't know that I really paid attention too much outside the footprint. Uh, Craig Way at Texas. I, I like Craig. Uh, I've known him for a while. Uh, I listen to him uh, when, when those guys are on occasionally. And I, I'll tell you, I mean, if there's an NFL game on, I don't think he's doing college games anymore. But if Kevin Harlan's doing Monday Night Football, and, yes. and I've got a chance to listen to that somewhere yes. every time. Uh, because to me, I, I've said this before, I don't know Kevin at all. But what I would tell you is for my money, Kevin Harlan is the best broadcaster in America today. And it's not just because of what he does on the radio. It's because he's on national radio. He's on two different networks on national television. Uh, He does NFL, football, college basketball, the NBA, and does them all equally well. I, I just think even though he's not the number one guy maybe on anybody's chart at any network, He's the best broadcaster on on, on, the, on radio and TV today, in my opinion. So those are my guys. All right, guys. Appreciate you hanging out with us. Hey, Neil, before we go, as far as listening to the games now, it's a little bit different way of listening to games now than it has been in years past. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think a lot of people used to try to find us if, if they didn't have an affiliate in their area or they were traveling, uh, they tried to find us on TuneIn. 
you can still do that, but TuneIn has moved all of the college content, including Mississippi State broadcasts, behind a paywall. So now, if you want to listen to state games and you want to do it for free the way that it should be, uh, you can do that through the Hale State app, which you can download through App Store on uh, an Apple device, or you can find it also on Android. Uh, you can do that. The, the company, uh, Learfield, also has a, a new app called the Varsity Network, and you can download that. And just like you used to be able to do with TuneIn, you can listen to Mississippi State. You can even follow Mississippi State on there. And any time that we have a broadcast, whether it's dog talk, a football game, a basketball broadcast, women's basketball, baseball, whatever we've got on the radio, you'll get an alert on your phone when that broadcast starts. So if you're doing something else, you're tailgating, you know, whatever, and you're just not paying attention, your phone will buzz or whatever and tell you, hey, broadcast is starting. And you can click right on that button and it'll take you right there. So, uh, you know, if, you, if you're not doing that, uh, I'd encourage you to do that too. And we've got a podcast channel uh, inside Mississippi State Athletics. You can search for that. And if you miss Dog Talk through the week, uh, those are currently being uh, fed out through that podcast feed. You can subscribe to it. If you miss us on Thursday nights, you can have that delivered to your mobile device and you can listen to it on demand anytime you want to. We're, we're finding ways to reach everybody as much as we can and, and try to keep content out there where people can enjoy following the Bulldogs. No doubt. Hey, guys, appreciate you hanging out with us. Enjoyed it as always. Enjoy the week off. Thank y'all. Good y'all to talk too. to you. Neil Price, Matt Wyatt, we'll appreciate you guys joining us. And once again, this segment brought to you by our friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. Country Pleasing. You just can't go wrong with the best that there is, and that's Country Pleasing made right here in the state of Mississippi. Check them out at all your local grocers, or you can go to countrypleasing.com. Hey, I got a question about that app, Bart. You know, Neil was talking about the app now. So a lot of people do have trouble getting ball games, and they want to hear how to listen to post-game shows and things like that. So now they've got the new app. What was it called? It's the Learfield Varsity app. Okay, so the Learfield Varsity app is what people need to be downloading, and they can listen in. They get the alerts when things are coming on. Well, we get alerts when Jason Crowder's going on. That's what I want to know. I don't know that. Do, I mean, the, do you think he could maybe do like some coaches' shows or something? We could get some special appearances out of him. And we could use some clips in our shows. Yeah. The Varsity app, you know, everybody used to listen on TuneIn. You heard Neil a moment ago. Then they try to get a little tricky with us, try to add a little price to us. And so if you want to listen to the games for free, go to that Varsity app, or you can go to hillstate.com and weave your way through and pull us up each and every week. Pre-game, during the game, then the post-game show with me and Charlie. So when we come back, a final word, you're listening to Out of Left Field. And welcome back. Final segment of Out of Left Field presented by Farm Bureau. Bart Gregory, Charlie Winfield. We're in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Starville, Mississippi's college town. And we're proud to be presented by Mississippi's College Town, Starkville. There's so many different things that's always going on. Start, hey, we saw it last weekend, Charlie, with the Cotton District Arts Festival on a weekend that was not Super Bowl all weekend. Of course, they've always married those together with the pandemic and everything. They moved Cotton District Arts Festival to the fall. Man, there was a ton of people in downtown and in the Cotton District last week. 
man, they were there all day too. It was awesome. You had the farmer's market going on, and then you saw people kind of move over to the Cotton District. I kind of liked having it not on a game weekend. You know, that's one of the discussions about town is, do you have these events on game weekends or not? Look, I really liked having all those people. It really brought some life to town, and I thought it was a just a great event down there last weekend. Yeah, I do too. And I know, you know, you probably, it's gobs of people on Super Bowl all weekend. But then you ask yourself the question, how many people are buying? Because they've got to take it to their car. they got to go to the ball games. And, hey, I'll check with you later and maybe order that later from you. Then they forget about it. But you know the people that are there last weekend were there for a reason. And so, hey, you know what somebody told me? I've, you know, I'm embarrassed to say I've done most of the things here in town. But you know what I've never done? I've never been to the Grant Museum on campus. And I was talking to somebody the other day that was just absolutely blown away by that. Have you been? You know, I have not. I hate to admit that. I'm like you. I kind of hate to admit that. And I had that conversation the other day about when you start thinking about figures in American history, you start thinking about Ulysses S. Grant in the Civil War and then being a president and how big he was in American history. You think in 1868, if you'd asked him, one day you're going to have a presidential library and it's going to be in Startville, Mississippi, <laughs> he'd, he'd have bought that. It's, but there's, you know, it's just one of those things. There's so many cool things here to do. And that's why I was talking to somebody yesterday. They have basically said, you know, so what are you guys doing now? I said, well, we sold our house and we're moving to Startville. And they just want to be around because every day, you know, if you decide, if you're a sports fan, think about all the things that you have going on. Yeah, absolutely. you got volleyball, you got soccer, and that's what they've done. They basically just said, you know what, we're going to everything. We're going to everything, which is which is kind of cool. Yeah, it really is. And I, and I see a lot of those people when I'm broadcasting volleyball or soccer. It's because you've got so much to do. The restaurants are great. And, hey, even if you haven't retired, you know, you can work from anywhere now. Hey, brief soccer detour, by the way. Did you see the huge crowd they had out last week for the soccer match? I did. That was really cool. Yeah, it really was. You know, volleyball is doing well right now. Soccer is playing extremely well right now. And so it's it's been pretty cool to see. I saw where Ben Howell and Mississippi State men's basketball, they're kind of getting going right now. It's a lot of – are we going to talk basketball this year? No, we're not going to talk basketball at all. I'm just going to say that basketball, men's basketball, has a chance to be really good. All right, so – And if they're really good, we'll talk about them? Yes. Y'all get it fixed and we'll be there? <laughs> no. I do think – I think that team can be, can be really good and exciting. Look, I grew up – going back to even Jim Hatfield, you know, so you had the mm. Bob Boyd years and then Richard Williams obviously had the great run and Rick Stansberry's teams were competitive. Look, let's just be honest, we've been working to get it back. Ben Howland has, has kind of brought this program forward. Doesn't it feel like now may finally be the time that it kind of gets back to the way it was? Yep, I think so. I think so. This team has the pieces. I mean, there's some transfers coming in, some guys – Coming back, you got Molinar on the outside. You know, Garrison Brooks is coming in now, Georgia's son. I hope he's nothing like his dad. Man, I love him. <laughs> and let me tell you this. If, of all the guys that I've worked with, you will not find a wittier person and a guy that cares about Mississippi State as much as George Brooks. George is a phenomenal human, just a great guy. And I always enjoy working with George during basketball. Hey, so off week this week. Mercifully. Do, do we have any plans? I thought about maybe just going to a game, taking the kids and going to a game, some obscure game, and just seeing how everybody else does it. You know? I intended to go to Tampa to watch my New York Yankees. I will not be doing that. No, you won't. That was not good last night. No. No, it wasn't. But I will be taking no further questions about baseball until the new year. 
at least Major League Baseball. Well, College Hunter, baseball we can talk about. And then, look, Hunter Renfro, that guy's been really good. You talk about a deal on a $3 million contract to have the season he is. Yeah, he's been great. Of course, Kendall's still in the playoffs. You've got you know, Kendall with the Astros right now. Yeah, Brandon Woodruff still playing. Woody is still pitching well, has pitched well all season long. So. I guess I'm going to have to be a Brewers guy. I just don't have it in my heart to cheer for the Astros or the Red Sox. Or the Braves. Are you a Braves fan? <laughs> I'm, I'm just not. No. I, no. I've never been a Braves fan. I was always a Cubs fan growing up just because every kid in Illinois liked the Braves. So, Charlie, now weekend off, we kind of get our feet up under us a little bit. We come back, and now with Alabama, we got seven straight weeks of football. And Alabama's got Texas A&M this week. Alabama's a good football team. I mean, <laughs> they're they're really good. I don't know if their defense is as good as Georgia because Georgia's defense is just crazy good right now. Don't you hope you get the Alabama that went to Florida and not the Alabama that played Ole Miss last weekend? Because the Alabama linebackers against Florida were not very good. And we talked and Florida's to, not a great team. They're not. And we talked to Neil and Matt just a moment ago about it, about Tennessee or excuse me, Vanderbilt and Tennessee State on the schedule. Those are two wins right there that you gotta have. If you don't win those two games, then we're gonna be going absolutely crazy. So that means you've got Alabama who is really, really good. So there's everything else is in the winnable column. There's four games right there that are winnable or losable. And that's gonna be the determining factor of how you feel about your season. Yeah, that's absolutely right. If you none of them will be big favorites to win, none of them should be huge favorites to lose. I would say out of those four games, everything, the lines on all four of those are going to be within seven points. I would think so. Yep. So, hey, enjoyed it as always. Great conversation with Neil and Matt. It's always great to get the band together. We hated we couldn't catch Jay. He uh, he was going in a thousand different directions like Jay always does. We'll try to catch Jay in the next couple of weeks with you here on Out of Left Field. So, appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Once again, thanks to our fine sponsors, Farm Bureau, Tracks Plus, Country Pleasing Sausage, Startwell, Mississippi's College Town, and once again, the Mississippi Beef Council. Beef, it's what's for dinner. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us. No Friday show with a Friday deep dig this week. No Sunday coffee. Charlie and I are getting away for just a few days. We'll be back next week in the midweek for Out of Left Field. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us on Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau.